Hello, Rasa. Hi, Dad. How you doing? I am wonderful. Great. Are you ready for something a little different? Ooh, I'm intrigued. For the next few episodes, we're going to go behind the scenes a bit to answer FAQs, or frequently asked questions, we get from listeners about the show. Oh, boy! Something really fun we've started doing is Zoom class visits. And we recorded one with fourth graders in Mr. Bernstein's class at Hopkins School in Hopkinton, Massachusetts. Oh, yeah! Their whole class was doing a special vexing question research project inspired by You Must Know Everything. And they and their teacher, who's an old friend of yours, had great questions for us. Yes. And to give a sense of place, one thing cool Mr. Bernstein shared about Hopkinton is that it's the beginning point of the Boston Marathon. So these students have gotten to meet and cheer on many of the world's most famous runners. I hope we weren't a letdown after that. <laughs> I'll play our recording of the class visit now. The first 10 minutes are questions from Mr. Bernstein. The last 15 minutes are from the students. Hooray! We had a great time, didn't we? Yes. And as you said on the show, it's really hard to meet new people these days. Thank you to them and to their teacher, too. The way I envision this playing out, what I would love to do is ask you guys to introduce the idea of you must know everything. Tell us a little bit about what it is and where it came from. Well, it started because dad has a lot of things that he wanted to teach me from when I was a baby. And of course, I couldn't read. I couldn't understand them. <laughs> he could tell me, okay, this is how you make pizza. If he tried, I would just go. <laughs> I didn't understand. And when I could understand, there wasn't a lot of time for it. I had school, I had basketball, I had art class. I had a bunch of different things. But then COVID came, of course, and there was a lot of free time. And he realized that I was old enough and we had time to do it. And also, I had a lot of things that I could teach him too, that either he never knew or he'd already forgotten. <laughs> that's right. And I have several kids who have listened to a number of vexing questions. And th that's what they've shared, that, that there's questions that they have. And a lot of them, I think, come out of the same way yours did, came out of boredom. They wanted something to do. This was a great opportunity to ask and answer those questions. Now, Jeremy, can I ask you, did this evolve in a similar way for you out of just, I'm sort of bored, I have knowledge that I'd like to pass along? Well, I had this project where I had these ideas I wanted to share with her and I started telling her or she I mentioned it once and she was like, well, what are they? Tell me. And I said, we don't have time or you're not old enough. But then when we had this time where we were together so much, I realized that she said, one, she was not old enough and I could just tell her directly. And two, she had all this knowledge and by this point, all these things that you kids know that we adults either don't know or have already forgotten. And she could teach me. And if we recorded it, then hopefully other people that would be interested in learning what a kid had to teach or a parent had to share could do it and they could send in their own vexing questions and we also discuss a poem read and discuss a poem every time so that's also just a nice way to kind of 
hang out and relax and hear someone read you a little story, basically. And we wanted them to be short. They're like 10 minutes each. And I I think that's great because a lot of times I think kids feel overlooked. They feel like I have something to say. Why is no one listening to me? Uh, Can I see wiggling fingers out there? Has anybody here felt like that? Yeah, we've all felt like that. So let me ask that. <laughs> done this with just conversations. How did this turn into a podcast, which is different than just a regular old conversation that you're having with each other? Well, Dad already had a podcast that he was doing about a book he'd written. And so he was already kind of familiar with the idea of podcasts. And as we started to think about how we talk to each other, and we would say these things, it kind of evolved into not only would we just talk to each other, we'd record it, we'd share it, we'd order a microphone on eBay. <laughs> <laughs> as one does. <laughs> yep. So, Jerry, was it a similar experience for you? It was just a natural, you had a podcast already, you started sharing some good ideas. I think that for some people, it's a big obstacle to doing it they they're like oh this would be super fun but how do i do it you know if you want to write a story you know okay i get out a piece of paper or i open a google doc or whatever and i start writing but if you want to know okay how do i try to publish a story in a magazine that's trickier it's like how does that all work and because i'd had that experience doing that as a writer i kind of knew that and then i went through the same path myself last year when i did my first podcast I'd written this book, which was a true story of a female hacker and her adventures. I met her on a play date for Rasa because her daughter was friends with Rasa. And she turned out to be one of these hackers for good that people hire to try to break into them to test their own security. So she was a really cool lady. I wrote a book about her, but then I wanted to do a a podcast that shared more stories of unusual hackers for good. So I'd kind of gone through that practice. I knew the process. Like you guys probably know a lot more, some of you about how to watch things or even post things on like YouTube or do gaming and stuff like that. To me, that's still a mystery. I don't know how to do those those steps, but I did know how to do them for podcasting. So it was straightforward. Okay. So one thing I would love to know, and, and boys and girls, you, you are all going to have an opportunity to ask questions, but there's a couple of pieces that I definitely want to go over with Ross and Jeremy before that happens. First off, the format for the podcast matters because you guys follow things that have similar formats all the time. If you have a favorite show on Netflix, there's a format to it. You introduce mm-hmm. yourself to the main characters of the show. There's usually a conflict or a problem. There's usually a quest to try and solve that problem. There's usually stumbling blocks that get in the way. And then at the end, the problem is solved. And maybe even you learn a little bit of a lesson. So it's really important for the viewers or the audience, the listeners, to know, okay, I'm in a comfortable format here. I know what to expect. And, and actually, Jeremy Rasa, it's one of the reasons I really enjoy the show so much is because I know it's going to be the same comforting thing mm-hmm. that I know each bite is going to taste just as delicious. Maybe I'll catch a pickle in one time with this mm-hmm. kind of question or a little red pepper in there. But mm-hmm. uh, each of the shows does have a, a comforting format. So I would love to know a little bit about the way you guys actually put the show together. What is the process for building this show? So the background, or do you want to answer it? 
first? No, you can answer. The background is that, of course, you have to come with a theory if you're in charge, or you have to come with a vexing question if you're not in charge. You also have to have a poem that you're ready to read and have the other one read and discuss if you're in charge. So that's the sort of background to each recording. Then, even though I have these fancy podcast microphones, we actually don't use those. I realized that that wasn't a great setup for two people in the same room because it's hard to have one microphone that records both people equally well. So instead, we actually record it on my phone. Yeah. And the issue with recording on a phone is it has a lot of background noise. It's not good enough quality for a professional podcast. There's hisses and crackles. But I have a piece of software on the computer that after I bring the recording into the computer, it can take away the background noise, the hisses and crackles. And so that's always step one before I listen to it or edit it. Because we usually record about, what, 15, 20 minutes for the seven or eight minutes that we have that we share. And Rasa does a little bit of that. She's learning how to do it, too. It just... But it's incredibly boring. (laughs) (laughs) So dad gets to do it. That's grown up. (laughs) Yes, yes. I'm familiar with that boring role. (laughs) Exactly. So there is editing and revision involved. You record, is it, a, is it a 20 minute conversation start to finish that you guys will have? So you'll sit down, you'll do the the first part, the second part, the third part, all in a row? Usually, of course, mm-hmm. you, the answer to the vexing question is often recorded separately. So there's time for the person to do research. And I would like to know, and this is going to be from both of you guys, how do you figure out the answer to this vexing question? Well... It depends on what kind. There's usually two kinds of vexing questions. One, where it's asking something where it's not necessary to research it. Something like, how do you stay connected? And how do you stay connected with the community that have COVID? And then you have to think it over and say, how do you? But you don't research it. And then there's kinds like, what is dirt made of? Where you do have to... Find out the answer. And when you do that, we usually research it online and you work to find credible sources that you know you can trust. And then you see what their answer is to the question and then rewrite it in your own words. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. So you will go online. And and I really appreciate what you said about finding a trusted source because I don't want these guys going to Joe's information shack to find out the answers to their vexing questions. So Jeremy, is your process for finding the answer to a vexing question somewhat similar to Ross's? It is. I often use websites, especially for the more scientific questions, but I also have a lot of books. I might look in in a dictionary or an encyclopedia or an atlas or look it up in some other book. And some things I happen to know what I think is the answer, but I want to find out the extra details. So I don't just search for the question. I search for a specific part of the answer that I'm kind of more familiar with, if that makes sense. Now, uh, at this time, I, I do want to pull in some of the students from the Hopkins School now. Awesome. Um, guys, this morning, 
You asked a number of different questions on our discussion board. I would love to give you guys the opportunity, starting out with questions about the podcast, and then we can pull back a little bit. I know there were several questions about Montana that the kids were interested in. Some of the kids were interested in about your writing, Jeremy, which I know is a part of your life. So is there anybody out there who would like to ask Rasa or Jeremy a question? It doesn't need to be a vexing question. <laughs> Let's see. Alora, do you want to? Um, what is it like to be a podcast creator? Well, I think it's really fun. And it's pretty simple. You just, you can record it, even as dad said, on your phone. You have to do the boring editing. <laughs> Unless you can find someone else to do it for you. Mm-hmm. But I think it's pretty fun. It feels good to know that there's this thing that other people can see that you made where you are expressing things that you like and teaching things and you made it. And let me follow up on Laura's question. We're going to have plenty of student questions, but your podcast is broadcast on public radio in Montana. Some of you guys may have heard your grown-ups in your lives listening to NPR. Rasa, what's it like to hear your voice on the radio? Well, I don't usually listen to it. <laughs> the funny thing is, we do our podcast, we have the actual conversation, but I, usually I don't hear it when it's actually out there. What happens when friends or teachers or strangers well, yes, turn yes. out to have heard it? What? How does that feel? Or what's your experience feels, with that? It feels kind of strange because, wait, how do you know? They go, are you Rasa Smith? Wait, yes? I wonder if anybody's ever recognized you by your voice only. Like, Uh know that voice. Maybe. All right, let's get some other questions from the students in the Hopkins school out there. Vanshi, would you like to ask a question, please? Okay. What does it feel like to be a part of a podcast that millions of people watch? Well, I don't know if that many people watch it, (laughs) but it feels, I think... It feels a little disorienting, but it also feels good. It feels cool to know, hey, people like that. And people leave these really nice comments where they say, or letters where they go, hey, I really like that. Hey, that was a great episode. That made me really happy. And to know that I'm making people happy feels really good. And it's cool to get vexing questions from people we don't know and places we haven't even heard of. That's cool, too. Let's see. Nick, did you have a question? What days do you usually make the podcast? Well, it comes out on Tuesdays and Thursdays, but a lot of the time we make it on Mondays because I have to school two days a week and then they give us a lot of homework. So I have to have time to do all my homework. And then on Mondays, that's usually my day where I'm free. We have school on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. And so on Mondays is usually the day where we record the podcast. Interesting. So you guys have a routine then. Mm-hmm. Um, Sparks, would you like to ask a question? So what kind, What do you use to make the podcast, like an app or a website? Do you want me to answer that part? Yeah. So I use my iPhone to record. I then edit the sound to get the hiss out in GarageBand with a plugin called NS1. That takes around the background noise. Then we edit the audio after the hiss has been taken out in a production program called 
Descript that lets us play with the text and the audio and add in the music. And finally, I publish it through a hosting solution called Cast. Okay, so it's a multi-step process. The file goes from place to place to place, from application to application before it eventually makes it out onto the air. Excellent. Other questions out there? Let's see. Idris, would like to ask a question? Uh, do you ever feel shy talking in front of a lot of people, like on the podcast? On the podcast. It's a great question. Well, no. And I'm not sure if that's because I don't feel shy talking to people. Usually I don't. Sometimes I do. Or it's because it doesn't feel like I'm talking to millions of people. I mean, I know it'll go out to a bunch of people. But for me, I'm just talking to my dad. Hmm. All right, let's see. Robbie, you had a question. I have a question for Rasa. Where's your mother? My mom? <laughs> <laughs> well. She's still here, of course. She hasn't tragically died in shipwreck or anything. But, <laughs> but, she, but she is the director of an organization called Mountain Home, which is a charity for young moms and their kids who don't have a home. And so she's busy, so she works a lot. We still get to hang around a lot, but I'm with Dad a lot more on the days where I'm not at school. Why can't she come on the podcast, though? Actually, she has come on the podcast. There's an episode where she is the special guest of the podcast, and she talks about the different things she does. I think it's episode, if you're looking for it, Robbie, I think it's episode 40. It's called Budget! Exclamation point. Okay, other questions that we have out there. Arav, would you like to ask a question? How do you come up with the vexing questions? Well... There's just always a lot of things that I'm curious about because, you know, just everyday life, you know, what does that mean? What does that do? Really? Are you sure about that? They say that all snowflakes are different, but how can that be possible? There's just a con, there's just everyone's curious about so many things. The trick is just remembering them and then you just ask and it's quite useful to find out. So that's how bubbles work. I think the show is all, is like our natural conversations. We happen to have the kind of relationship where we're constantly asking questions <laughs> or sharing theories and occasionally even reciting a poem. So the show is pretty similar to how we actually hang out. It is funny that sometimes we'll just be going on a hike or walking or talking or in a car ride. And I'm like, we just did a show. We just should have recorded it because yeah. it, it, it's got a theory. It's got a question. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah. Data. How many books have you written? I think three. Well, I've written lots of books, but I've pu managed to publish three. <laughs> That's a good good question. Yes. I've written three narrative nonfiction books, which is a long way to say true stories. So one is about people building community through local food and farms and gardens. Another is about this doctor and team of scientists changing how we measure health. And the third one I think I already told you about is the true story of this mom who's also a hacker and her adventures. Which actually take place, the adventures, a lot of them take place in Massachusetts. Yes, because she went to school at, at MIT. That's right. 
All right, I'm looking for fresh hands I haven't seen before. Halak, would you like to ask a question? What's your favorite book that you've published? Ooh. You know, I it's like choosing between your children. So my favorite, I'll just say my favorite book I published is Rasa for that reason. <laughs> uh, that's my favorite creation, I'll say. Rasa, what's one? You're a big, I know you're not a published writer, but what's, I love books. what's one of your favorite books to read? Because I know these guys are mm-hmm. same age, close. Well, I love the Keeper of Lost Cities series. Which is one Keeper of my I'll write this one down because I'm looking for presents for Hanukkah. Is, I'm, seeing, I'm seeing some finger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it, it, say it again, Ross. It's the Keeper, Keeper of, of Lost Cities series. Keeper of Lost Cities, okay. I really like the Heroes of Olympus series, which is a Rick Warden series. Yes. Is that the, the, the one where he does the, the Roman gods? Yes, uh, the Romans and the Greeks. Yes. Got it. A couple of those in my own class library, which we can't access. <laughs> Let's see. I think we maybe have around five more minutes. Is that okay for Ross and Jeremy? Sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's see. Other questions out there? Ben, I don't think I've heard from you yet. How did you meet um, my teacher? So that's a question for me because I don't think yeah. Rasa has met your yeah. teacher. You know, when I was in school to become a writer, Mr. V was in school with me and he and I would trade writing and he would give me ideas about how to make my writing better. And I would give him ideas on how to make his writing better. And then another writer that he was working with turned out to be a teacher in Massachusetts and they fell in love and he moved away from me. (laughs) I know, Camille ripped me away from Jeremy. But... You know, writing brought him to me and writing brought him to you. So I can't blame it. It's true. No. And and Jeremy and I actually lived really close to each other when I lived out in Montana. We live in, I don't know if you call it a neighborhood or a region called the rattlesnake. I don't know if it's actually because there are rattlesnakes there. My school's called Rattlesnake, so... Yeah, Rasa goes to Rattlesnake Elementary School. So we're definitely still in the neighborhood. So there are rattlesnakes in Montana that I should have been scared of the whole time I was there. The neighborhood is safe from rattlesnakes. Not to worry. <laughs> That's good to know. Achal, another question for Jeremy and Rasa. Did you help Mr. Bernstein write the 17-year-old man? <laughs> did you hear that question, Jeremy? I heard, did you help Mr. Bernstein write, but I didn't hear what the... What the- seven-fingered man. Oh, I love that story, that poem. It's so good. I don't know if I helped. I might have given, you know, a word or two, but mainly I gave applause. That is such a creep. Rasa, you don't even know that story. We got to share that with Rasa. That's going to be our exchange. I'll share it with you this afternoon. That's Um, awesome. I read that story now. I don't don't talk much about my life as a writer before while I'm in school with these guys, but Every year around Halloween, I take a couple of days to read that story in, uh, in chunks. It's a little bit creepy. But no, Jeremy, you did help me. In fact, one of the things that Jeremy helped me the most with that story was, was helping to cut big pieces out. And sometimes it's hard because you spend so much time working on that writing and each word feels so important and cared about and loved, but it's just not necessary for the story. And when it comes down to it, we all have a little book zombie in us, and we just want that juicy plot in there. And some of it just didn't, just didn't fit. So that's actually a place where you helped me out with that story, Jeremy. 
All right, just one or two more questions. Manchi, you have another question for Jeremy and Rasa. So in total, how many books have you written, even if they weren't published? Wow. Let's say 11. And also, um, I found out that Budget Sting is actually 39. Oh, good research. 39. All right, let's see. It looks like there's a couple more. Cat. I don't think I've heard from you. Cat. did you want to ask a question? What's your favorite part about living in Montana? Well, the one of my favorite parts definitely is that there's a mountain a block away from my house that we can climb whenever we want to. So we can just walk a block and there's the mountain. And once you get to the top, everything's so teeny. Rasa, you also have a stream. It's more than a stream that flows in back of your house, don't you? Well, well, not in the back of our house, but a block away, there's Greeno Park, which has two rivers flowing through it. It's really nice. It also sometimes, sometimes if you look up in the tree, there might be a bear (laughs) climbing in the tree. Rasa has had a bear at her bus stop, and they had to... And so the bear, they had to have a police car come and make sure the bear didn't come down from the tree while the kids were, until the bus came and picked the kids up. It was pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that is crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I told the kids the story of, I don't even know if you know this, Jeremy, when I was chased by a bear, did you know that I was chased by a bear? You're not, you shouldn't be chased. You should, you should stop and just, Rasa, you know best because you grew up here. What, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to stop and back slowly away. Yeah. My my reptilian brain kicked in, and, and I just turned, and I ran, and it chased me. That was scary, but I'm okay right now. Boys and girls, it is time to say goodbye to Jeremy and Rasa, but can we give a, a big wave slash round of applause slash wave to, to our friends coming to us from Montana? Jeremy and Rasa, thank you guys so much for taking your time to share all of your knowledge with the students of 223. I will be sure to share the students' creations with you so that you have a chance to see what these guys come up with. I know these guys are really excited to get into it. Rasa, Jeremy, I don't know if you had any last words you want to say. Thank you so much. We're excited yeah. about your vexing questions. Good mm-hmm. luck with your research. I hope you guys keep listening and enjoying the show as you can. And it's just so fun to get to meet new people. That's really hard to do these days. Yeah. Great. Well, guys, thank you so much. Students of 223, you are required by the state of Massachusetts to stay with me right now. (laughs) But Jeremy and Pasta, you are not. Guys, thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. You Must Know Everything is produced by me, Jeremy Smith, and her, Rasa Smith, with awesome music by Furniture. Learn more and submit your own vexing questions at our website, youmustknoweverything.com. Subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Android, Spotify, or however you like to listen, and hear dozens of previous episodes for free. Please rate, review, and share the show with friends. And please join us next time for everything you need to know.